I am debunking the myth that every single one of us have been taught since we were tiny children, that hope is something that comes and goes, and it's based in your circumstances. And if your circumstances look great, you have hope. And if your circumstances don't look great, you don't have hope. And that's BS. It makes us think that we have to control all of our circumstances. And so we go around life trying not to die instead of living. We go around life trying not to fail instead of easing our way into success. I don't have to run away from anguish because it's not going to crush me. Welcome to the Rebel Souls podcast, where we flip the middle finger to the status quo. I'm your host, Shelly Paxton, lifelong rebel, liberator of souls, and author of Soulbatical, a corporate rebel's guide to finding your best life. Settle in as we dive deep with badass leaders who are rebelling for what matters most in life, business, and the world at large. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get this revolution started. This is a Soulfire production. Hello and happy new year, my fellow rebel souls. Oh, welcome to 2022. Remember what we're calling this year? Yep. The year of the fucking revolution. Yes, revolution. This is the year that we're rebelling for rewriting our own script of success and living our best lives. Because let's be honest, the past two years have been nothing short of a shit show in a lot of cases. And there's been a lot of golden nuggets and silver linings and opportunity that's been presented. But it's also upended most of our lives in some ways. And it's been a real opportunity for us to get clear on what matters most. And I know I sound like a broken record in saying that. And at the same time, I believe it's possible. And I wanted to kick this year off with a conversation about hope. So I invited my good friend, Catherine Hammond, to join me for this conversation. Catherine is not only a dear friend, She's the founder of a multi-million dollar law firm. She focuses on estate planning. She helps people with life transitions. She's really become a transformational coach in this space of what it means to truly live your life. This one shot that we've got on this planet. And in the face of incredible adversity that she's had throughout her life from the way that she was raised and the trauma she faced and death and divorce and depression and being on the brink of financial ruin and most recently with cancer with her fiance and life partner, Catherine has discovered the true nature of hope. And she's now on a mission to help every single person on this planet from when they're very young to our age really understand that hope is this wellspring inside of us and help us understand how we can access that and tools 
she gives us this beautiful toolkit for how we can journey through everything we're feeling and find hope even in the most extreme circumstances. And so much of it is from her lived experience, which she vulnerably shares with us. And I just felt like this is the time. Catherine is somebody who stands for and lives a zero regrets life. She believes that everyone dies, but not everyone truly lives. And she wants to help us understand how to truly live and that hope is the path. So let's start the year on this note with incredible hope and positivity and the belief that we are the conscious creators of our experience and that 2022 is just the beginning of what we want to create in this world and the impact that we want to have in this world. And let's learn from Catherine and support each other and start the fucking revolution. So tune in and enjoy. I love you guys. Welcome back this year. So you know, I love that you're digging into this concept of hope and the true nature of hope, Catherine. And I've learned so much from you already. And I thought, what an interesting way to start our conversation because I've been reading Brene Brown, Atlas of the Heart. And I remember I posted something or pinged you with something and said, well, this is interesting. Brene has a definition of hope in her new book. And you were like, I want to sink in and have a conversation with her. So what if we start from a place of me reading Brene's definition of hope? And then let's talk about Catherine Hammond's, like turning that thing on its head. Let's, let's go there. Here we go. So Brene talks about hope. She says, we need hope like we need air. To live without hope is to risk suffocating on hopelessness and despair. Risk being crushed by the belief that there's no way out of what's holding us back, no way to get to what we desperately need. But hope is not what most of us think it is. It's not a warm, fuzzy emotion that fills us with a sense of possibility. Hope is a way of thinking, a cognitive process. Yes, emotions play a role, but hope is made up of what researcher C.R. Snyder calls a trilogy of goals, pathways, and agency. We experience hope when one, we have the ability to set realistic goals. Two, we're able to figure out how to achieve those goals, including the ability to stay flexible and develop alternative pathways. And three, we have agency, aka we believe in ourselves. Mm. So I'm so struck with this idea of like, we need hope, like we need air. And this idea that it's a cognitive process. And I know you've discovered, like, you're going to turn our, our thinking about hope on its head. So how do you think about it? And then we'll talk about your journey of how you discovered this in the first place. Yes. And so first, let me say, I absolutely love Brene's book. Um, so important in terms of naming and helping us explore um, emotions and experiences in our lives that sometimes we just don't talk about. And what she says about our need for hope is so true. And we don't normally think about hope, right? We, we go through our days 
thinking that we're just fine and not ever thinking that we could use a little bit more hope until we hit the thing that mm, might disconnect us from hope a little bit. And suddenly we realize, oh gosh, I need a little bit more hope here. But hope is like the air that we breathe. It's the thing that enables us to get out of bed in the morning. It's the thing that empowers you to have the conversation, but the conversation that you might be a little bit nervous to have, the conversation that expresses what you really want or need and might change things in your relationship. It's what inspires you to apply for the new job or the promotion or to leave your great job and start your own business. That's hope. The the air that we breathe that gives us a sense of, I am okay and I will be okay no matter what happens. Where I differ from the brilliant Brene is that I do not, based on my own life experiences and those of the many, many, many people I've had the honor of doing life with, I do not believe that hope is a cognitive process. I also do not believe it's a feeling. And in fact, I would go so far as to say that the dictionary definition of hope, which says that hope is a confidence that your circumstances are going to get better in the future, that definition is total BS. (laughs) Total BS. And to be clear, dictionaries don't say this is how you have to use words. Dictionaries say this is how words have been used in the past. And so, What Brene is reflecting is what we as a society have reflected for many years. Hope, we we think, is a wish. It's we hope for good weather on our vacation. We hope we'll get the job. We hope that we'll find a parking space. And those are all great things. But those are really wishes. Hope is the thing that sustains us through the roller coaster of life, through all of the ups and the downs. It is the very thing that when when we're not feeling it, makes us feel like we're being crushed, either slowly or quickly. And I first started to discover the true nature of hope when I was, you know, after spending many, many years, Shelley, in in a childhood home that was full of chaos and abuse and neglect and um, a lot of feelings of hopelessness a lot of the time, I, I spent my life trying to find hope, trying to get it and be able to hold on to it. And every time, you know, when I was a teenager, it was when the boy would break up with me, um, you know, later when I got divorced later when it you know was something professional i would feel like hope was slipping through my fingers and i, I was trying to hold on to it because i thought I, it was this thing a plan a goal um, the ability to know that we can meet meet that goal what i have discovered about hope came originally through an encounter with somebody who passed away years ago by the name of victor frankel And I had um, gotten on the airplane on the way back from my very favorite country in the world, Slovenia. And I put my seat in the reclined position and I opened up Man's Search for Meaning. It's one of my favorites. I talk about it in the book and all the time. Yes. Okay. 
Yes. And we will put a link in the show notes for anyone who hasn't read this oh. book. So, but please keep going. I want it's to a must read. Yes. Yeah. So I, I put my seat in the recline position. I open up this book and I start reading about Viktor Frankl's time in the concentration camps. And I start reading about how he was able in the very worst situation that I can imagine for a human being to endure he still felt hopeful in the middle of it. I had spent my entire life believing what the dictionary said, that hope is based on our circumstances and it looking like they're going to get better in the future. And as I read that about Viktor Frankl, I realized that I had completely misunderstood hope. Hope has nothing to do with our circumstances. Hope is the opposite. It is that that well-being, that endless wellspring that's buried deep inside of us, that that thing, that inner sense of well-being that never, ever goes away, but it can get covered up by a whole lot of different things, internal and external things. And so we feel like hope has run out. And all of our language in our society makes it sound like you can run out of hope. And maybe I'll get hope again when I, if I find a great man to start dating. Or maybe I'll have hope if I get a new job. Or, you know, hope has run out that I'll ever get a cure for this disease. We act like it's something you can have or not have that, that you can run out of. And the truth is... It's an inner wellspring that cannot run out. It's so, I love that you're saying this because I think in that case, right? I talk a lot about so many of the things like our success is inside of us. How we define success is inside of us. Our joy is inside of us. You're saying our hope is inside of us. And so then the real challenge becomes, how do we connect with that? Right. Right. So you are somebody, I mean, I love, I've known you in community for a number of years now. You've become such a dear friend and soul sister. I've learned so much from you. And yet this is the first time we're kind of deeply exploring this together because you're really understanding now that to go out publicly and talk about hope in your experiences in the face of cancer, death, divorce, depression, financial ruin, all the things the world can throw at you, similar to Viktor Frankl sitting in that concentration camp and you went, I can still feel it. I know I can, I can come through it. I know I will come through it. Can you talk about in the face of some of the tough stuff that you've been through and that I know you're going through with your life partner right now? Brian is on a, a very challenging cancer journey at the moment. You're faced with mortality every single day and you're here talking about hope. So how does this happen and how do we access it for ourselves? I'd love right. to hear your story of how you found it. And then like, what does that mean for us? How okay. is it more easily accessible when it just feels so fucking hard most of the time? Or elusive. Maybe it's less hard and more elusive, right? That is it exactly. And that that's it for me. That was the feeling of it slipping out of my fingers. And so let me just say, I've been studying this one up close. 
for many, many, many years. What what I have learned, and you you mentioned, you know, some of the things that I've experienced in life. I I was divorced when um, I was six months pregnant with my youngest child and had a two year old. I've been on the floor of my swanky corner office, believing that because my business was struggling financially in that moment, and this was you know, eight years ago, not, not that long ago, believing really truly that my only option was to take my life. I've, I've been there. I, I know the deep heartache. And what I have learned is that it's about identifying the things that get in the way of me experiencing the hope that is there and learning to tap back into it. And the the things that get in my way, so you you mentioned right now I'm in the middle of a pretty intense journey with my partner of five years, now fiance Brian. That's right. That's right. Fiance, I forgot to say that. Oh, and Brian is amazing. But man, this is tough what you guys are going through. Right. And it started a couple of years ago with a huge tumor that burst his intestine and he almost died through that. And it was cancerous. And this year we found out that the cancer was back and they don't have a way to cure it. And when they found it again, his abdomen was full of tumors. They said, these are very aggressive. And so he's on chemo right now, but right now we don't have any plan for how he's going to get better. And there is no plan. We're we're left without being able to control our circumstances with doing the inner work. And that's the thing about that old definition of hope. It makes us think that we have to control all of our circumstances. And so we go around life trying not to die instead of living. We go around life trying to succeed or trying not to fail instead of really just easing our way into success. We go around life trying to control everything, thinking that we need to do that in order to feel okay on the inside. But the way we feel on the inside comes from the inside. So it's about uncovering the well-being. One of the things that I've identified for me is that there are a lot of external factors that take me away from my own sense of hope. One of them is simply other people's judgments. And it's funny because recently I had a situation where I felt like somebody else was expecting me to feel worse about a particular situation than I did. And they didn't understand why I wasn't feeling worse, more sad, more angry, more betrayed, all of those things. And I noticed that pressure that we put on each other and put on ourselves to feel a certain way, because absolutely, there are also the people in life and the moments in life, the same people will expect us to feel better than we feel in any given moment. Those expectations, once I realized that other people have those expectations and I put those same expectations on myself, I can go, okay, it just doesn't matter 
what anybody else thinks about what I should be feeling. And more importantly, letting go of what I think I should be feeling in this moment. It's the shoulds. The shoulds fuck us up every time, right? I call them the shackles of should. And I I hadn't really thought about it this way, but you're right. Of course, they prevent us from connecting deep within ourselves to that wellspring of hope, right? They keep us disconnected, those shackles of should. <laughs> Absolutely. And and it gets particularly difficult. You know, I, I spent a good portion of my adult life in a particular religious circle. And within particular religious circles, they, they think that they have an exclusive license to hope. And here's the path to hope and you do X, Y, Z, and then, you know, magically we wave the magic wand and suddenly you should feel hopeful. And that's BS. There are people in every religion, pastors, I'll call out specifically, who have deep faith, who have relationships with God, who still struggle with hopelessness. Mm -hmm. It's not about doing all the right things. It's about letting go of what society has taught us that it's to be found in having the right circumstances. The right president won't give us hope. The right job won't give us hope. The right boyfriend, the right husband. It comes from letting go of that and tapping back into it ourselves, which is that that practice that all of us are learning, which is unlearning all the ways we disconnected from ourselves for most of our lives. Can you talk about another example? I found the one that you just gave so powerful. It's like, oh, I should feel this way or somebody else's perspective or beliefs or feelings about what I should, quote unquote, be feeling in the moment. Totally get how that can disconnect us from our own wellspring of hope. What's another thing that stood in your way? Because I feel like this is what we will all identify with in better understanding hope and why it feels so elusive. Right. But what? Yeah. What are like one or two other examples? Because that, that kind of just rocked my world. I'd never really thought about the fact that like that's happening every minute of every day in every conversation. Yes, it is. And we're just so used to it, we don't notice it. So another thing, I had a work situation come up recently that was difficult and painful. And um, I did feel angry and sad and, um, and some pretty strong feelings. And within, you know, probably 12 hours of when the situation had come up, I had somebody who I, who's in my close inner circle, say to me, so what's the gift in this? Now, that is exactly what I've done all of my life. I, I'm the girl who signed me up for every way that I can learn and grow from every single little situation in life. I jump there, you know, before I've even fully understood the pain of the situation, I'm already jumping to what can I learn? How can I grow? And I've learned a little bit. And so with this one, I said, whoa, 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 hold on. I'm not going there yet to the gift in this because I haven't even taken the time to feel 
the pain or the anger. So give me a day or two or however long I end up needing. I'm going to feel my feelings and then I'll come back around to the gift. And that's what I did. And the thing that I have found is that when I let myself feel those feelings, I feel better much more quickly than if I had tried to skip over them. So that becomes like your fast pass to hope. And I kind of use fast pass loosely, but what you're saying is that is the pathway, right? Because I do, I love that you brought up that example because it's so often, and I'm guilty of this too, right? I want to learn from the moment, you know, everything happens for a reason has always just kind of bugged me as a cliche phrase. What is the gift of this? There's always a gift in it, but so often we only see it in the rearview mirror. We have to sit in the suck and be allowed to sit in the suck. And you're saying, so give us an example of like, okay, you're sitting in the suck of like, fuck, this thing made me so angry. I feel the rage. Maybe you even feel the hopelessness around it. It, You know, you're kind of like on your knees. What is your process then as you're moving through those feelings to reconnect deep inside? Are there, is there an actual like, skills and practices that you can share? Absolutely. And I have a toolkit in my book, which will be coming out in March. So wait, tell us the name of your book, because I want to make sure everybody knows and we all get to pre-order it. It is called Hope-Less, which by the way, I'll say there is no such thing as hopeless. No such thing. We've been taught that we can run out of hope. You can't be hopeless because it's an endless wellspring. So we think we're hopeless. We feel hopeless. What we're really feeling is despair and anguish and all of those things. So um, when, when I have those moments, I let myself feel it. And then there is a process of naturally coming back to the sense of well-being as long as I quiet my own thinking. It's my own thinking. And for me, hope is very, very, very different from optimism. Optimism is something that happens in your head. Hope is that thing when when you get really quiet, when you breathe, when you tap into whatever is underneath all of the worry and anxiety and sadness and fear that you've been feeling, When you really get quiet, that's the thing that sits inside of every single one of us. It's the true core of who we are. And so it's, for me, um, breathing and meditating is a helpful thing. And there's absolutely no recipe that works for me every single time. I play with different ways of connecting. I'll say one of my very favorite Things to do is something that I discovered, um, gosh, six years ago when my best friend had um, a very aggressive and what turned out to be a terminal leukemia. And I went down to be with her in Houston at MD Anderson, and I was her primary caregiver for a few weeks. And my friend was one of the most beautiful wonderful, successful human beings I've ever known, and probably the single most demanding person that I've ever known. And so 
She gets released from being in the hospital to live in an apartment because this is going to be a long-term journey. And so I've prepared the apartment for her and I've, you know, disinfected every single thing. I worked my ass off for days getting this ready for her. She gets out of the hospital and comes to the apartment. And within five minutes, she has asked me for approximately 25 things. Now, I get sensory overwhelm. I feel like I'm failing because she's on the fifth thing and I haven't done the first thing yet. And so I go to bed feeling a little bit stressed out and like I was a little bit of a failure. And I wake up in the morning and I go onto Facebook and I see my other friend who is now on my Italian vacation because I had walked away from this gorgeous villa in Italy um, in order to be with my friend. So I've got another friend who's in the villa. I'm watching the pictures and I'm feeling really shitty and I'm feeling sorry for myself and I'm feeling really angry about my friend's cancer. And I went through my morning ritual of reading my affirmations. And the very last one was, and today I will create the best day of my life. And I read that out loud and I was like, fuck this. Like, that's clearly not going to happen today. And then I thought, wait a second. What would I have to do in order to create the best day of my life today? And I tried something that has become a steady practice for me that in an ideal world, I would do every single day. But what I did was I identified three things that I wanted to feel or experience that day. One of them was movement. One of them was beauty. And one was connection. And I just made a note next to each of those words in my journal about a way that I could experience that. My friend was going to be at the doctor's for an hour and a half. And so I thought, okay, I'll scoot over to the museum and go see the Van Gogh that's over there. Movement, I can go get on the treadmill for 10 minutes before she wakes up. And every single one of those things happened in a most beautiful way that day. And she and I had a conversation that was deeper and I than we'd ever had before. And we talked every day. And I felt more connected to her than I had ever felt because I identified what I most wanted and let those things fall into place. And that, that's one of my best creative tools to this day for creating the experience that I want to have. And that all of that together is living with hope, it sounds like. So when you said on that particular day that it was beauty and movement, what did you say? Beauty and movement and connection. Mm -hmm. Those three things represented what would make your perfect day and ultimately are the pathway to you connecting to hope because it keeps you from going into that place of despair. Is that how you think about it? That's it exactly. And not being afraid of the despair. I can I can allow myself to feel the despair today. Like in this situation with Brian, last week, I was feeling some despair. And I let myself go there. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of going into the dark anymore. I always thought that it was in the dark 
if I went in there, I would lose my hope. And what turned out to be true is that that's where I found my hope. That's so interesting. I don't, I don't have to run away from anguish because it's not going to crush me. How vital is that for every one of us? And you, you listeners at home, some of you might be dealing with divorce or tough financial situations or illness or whatever you're dealing with. And I'm in the middle of this with you right now with Brian and his cancer. We have right now no way to give him a long life. We're, our desire is that the research will continue and they'll figure out ways to make his tumors stop growing. But right now we don't have that. And so it's about remembering on a moment by moment basis that we don't need anything to be true in our circumstances, that the well-being comes from inside. I don't have to control his sickness. I don't have to control my marriage. I don't have to control any of my job which frees me up to really live true to myself. Yeah. And what I would add to that is we can't control those things anyway, right? We, this is the grand facade that so many of us have lived for so long. And I'm raising my hand and I know you are too, because you and I have been in the deepest, darkest <laughs> spaces together. And what a beautiful way to let go because that's what creates so much worry and anxiety and stress and burnout and all the things, trying to like white knuckle our way through life, trying to control these things ultimately that we never had any control of. So the letting go of and experiencing all of the darkness and all of the light as the, as the you know, as you're sharing with us right now is the pathway to hope. That's it. That's it. It's, it's widening the theater curtains so that we can experience life to the full rather than living in one tiny little area and being afraid of everything else because the challenges and the things that feel painful will come. And we, do you remember a year ago when we were just moving into 2021 and everybody said, oh, this is going to be my year because we thought that the pandemic would be over and life would go back to the way that it used to be. And that didn't exactly happen, right? We're all learning how, how to really live in the world that we have today. And I love what I wrote down as you were talking earlier about your affirmations. I mean, it's such a beautiful practice and it's really simple on the surface and deeply profound in where it can take us. And I thought of this sentence that you and I are both very close with our dear friend, Mandy Leto. Mandy has been on this podcast, one of my favorite humans. And we say each and every day, I am the conscious creator of my experience. Mm -hmm. And that seems to me at the core of how you think about hope. I am the conscious creator of my experience. 
right? I can acknowledge and feel where I am in this moment and all the suckitude <laughs> of it. And I can decide where I want to go with this, with the things that I can control. And those are the inner things, what I can create, creating beauty, creating movement, creating connection, creating what we want to create that is within our control and that is within us. And you, you know who first taught me that at a deep, deep level was my oldest granddaughter, Sequoia. She was born at 26 weeks, which some of you may know is almost three and a half months early. And so she was in the hospital, in the NICU, dancing between life and death, literally on a day-to-day basis for three months. And my daughter, her mom, was hospitalized in the beginning. She had an infection that turned septic. And the first day that I went to the hospital, first full day that she was there after Sequoia had been born, I show up at the hospital and there on my daughter's hospital room door is this sign that says, fear and worry, stay outside this room. And I stopped because (laughs) I immediately, when I read it, realized that I was full of fear and worry. And being required to set that aside before I came into the room. And that's what my daughter required of me and required of everybody for those three months. When I was daily in that hospital room with little Sequoia, I practiced being in the present because I had to leave all the stuff about the past and all the worries about the future. How long will she live? What is her life going to look like? I had to set that aside and just be in the present moment. And truly, those three months became three of the most beautiful months of my entire life because of what we created in the midst of that. And it doesn't mean that when you're in the middle of cancer or autoimmune disease or any other hard, painful thing, like it's legitimately hard and painful. That's okay. And holding the the pain and the sorrow along with a curiosity and eventually an opening to joy and all of the other emotions that are a whole lot more fun to feel, opening ourselves to all of it is where we get to experience true hope. We don't have to keep out the pain. We don't have to control or try to control any of the things that we've spent so much energy trying to control. And it's exhausting. So I love that it's like, it feels like a load off, right? It's like, oh my God, you guys, we get so much energy back in our lives. And energy is one of the precious, most precious things we have to manage. So what you just described made me feel lighter and more energetic just hearing you say it because I was like, yeah, man, me worrying about, you know, my mom and my dad who I'm going to see tomorrow in Florida, me worrying about, you know, the future of my business and whether it's ever going to make seven figures, me worrying about all that stuff is simply depleting my energy and cutting off that connection from hope. It feels liberating. It feels super liberating. Right. 
Right. It's a heavy blanket that we wear all the time. Yeah. And we don't even realize it. So it's like, you guys, let's check. I love this idea in so many situations in our lives where we can imagine that same plaque, that same sign on whatever literal or metaphorical door we're walking through in life that says park fear and worry outside this door or literally do, you know, fear and worry are not allowed in this space. What can we create in spaces where fear and worry are not welcome in every aspect of our lives? Uh, I just want to say again, we have to feel the fear first. We can't set it aside until we felt it. But once we've felt it, the fear and the sadness and the anger all and all of those things, then and sometimes we have to set them aside for a moment to get through something, but we can't bypass those things. Yeah. So, but once we feel them, we don't have to carry just those around with us. Well, the beauty of what you're saying, and I say this all the time, is it's not allowing ourselves to get stuck in fear and stuck in worry. It's feeling them to their fullest. And then as Judy Holler, another one of my favorite humans who's been on the podcast says, then you're standing on the threshold of whatever door of possibility that is. Of course, you're going to feel the fear. Of course, you're going to feel the worry. Open the fucking door and walk through anyway. And that's what I hear you saying too. And I'm like, oh, yes. Even if the door is simply the door of curiosity, when I'm really stuck, sometimes it's hard for me to open the door all the way to joy. Yeah. But if I open the door halfway to curiosity, that can help me get to the place where eventually I'm ready to step all the way into the things that feel better. But it starts for me with knowing that when I feel bad, I have not run out of hope. There's no such thing as running out of hope. It's deep inside you, no matter what's going on around you. It's so beautiful. And as you say, I know I want to talk for a minute as we wrap up about how this ties to living a zero regrets life. You've really started talking about this a lot lately. And I I find it so profound, not the least of which because it's so connected to everything I believe and the journey that I've been on and what rewriting your script of success really stands for. It stands for living life on your terms. And on your Instagram, I noticed you have this line that is like, it gives me goosebumps. Everyone dies. Not everyone truly lives. And this whole conversation and everything that you are talking about so vulnerably and so powerfully and that you're living on a daily basis with everything going on in your life today just speaks the truth of like, this is the pathway to truly living. Is that how you think about it? Like hope is that it is. It is like the super highway to truly living our lives. Is that? That is it. Okay. It's the, it's the air we breathe. It's the super highway. It is the ability 
to have the real conversation. For, for me, zero regrets living is not about, you know, making a bucket list and going skydiving and doing traveling to the places that you have wanted to see. Yes, it may include that, but more than that, it's how I show up in my day-to-day world. Am I being true to myself? Am I feeling what I really feel, saying what I really think, acting, doing what I really want to do? If, If I am, if I am fully in alignment with myself, then I land on my deathbed with far fewer regrets than 99% of humanity. What people regret when they die is not having been true to themselves. Number one regret. Yeah. Ronnie Ware's top regrets of the dying. We're putting a link to that in the show notes. That's another game changer of a book for, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yes, that, that really... Um, helped me see a lot of ways that I still was not fully living. And that's about, that, that's what it's about. We get one shot at this life, right? One fucking shot at this And one, one shot at 2022, one shot at the next year, whenever you're listening to this podcast, we get one shot at living this day today. And it's so easy for me, like in, I'll say in this current situation with Brian's cancer, it would be easy to sit on the sofa and numb out with Netflix and bonbons and all of that stuff because of the stuff going on. Yeah. Because of my fear about the future and how much time are we going to have? And when, when is he going to feel good and all of those things? That's an easy road to go down. And that connecting to hope, that endless wellspring inside of my own self is what empowers me to get off the sofa and say, what do I want to experience today? What do I want to create today? Yes, everything in the world is not exactly as I would like to have it. And I can still experience virtually anything that I want to experience. Viktor Frankl did it in the concentration camp. You're doing it. And life is never going to be hardship free. It's just, it's not, right? You said it earlier. Life is a roller coaster. It will always be a roller coaster. Many things will happen that will be out of our control. And you're showing us and modeling for us how we can still show up every day and how we can still choose to live in the face of all of it. I love you so much. You are an earth angel. As our friend Abby Gibbs says, you truly are. I want to continue this conversation. I also want to honor that. I think this is, it was such a beautiful place to end what you just said. Where can our rebel souls find you? As I know, they're all going to fall in love and want to learn more about hope and follow you on your journey. So tell us where we can find you and, and feel free to share a little bit more about your book if you want. Yeah. So I have been playing just recently on Instagram on a new page called Zero Regrets Life. Um, so join me there. And I also have a website where you can uh, sign up to get uh, information about the book 
which will be published in March. That's katherinehammond.life. What I am doing with this book feels very edgy. I am debunking the myth that every single one of us have been taught since we were tiny children, that hope is something that comes and goes, and it's based in your circumstances. And if your circumstances look great, you have hope. And if your circumstances don't look great, you don't have hope. And that's BS. And I have a vision of changing the way that every single human views hope and helping every single human discover that they have hope accessible no matter the circumstances. And it starts with children. And it continues through middle school and high school, through those tough days. We're never without hope, no matter what's going on in the world. Mm. I'm so excited to see where this takes you. I want to help you spread the word. You know, I'm on a mission to liberate a billion souls. I want you to bring hope to 8 billion souls. (laughs) I am so excited that, you know, you are the Aristotle of our generation. You're debunking the myth and flipping it as you say, right? The earth is not flat and hope is not a cognitive experience and it's not outside of us and it's not connected to our circumstances. And that my friend is exactly what we need, especially in this day and age with our entire world's blowing up everything we knew about our lives and the way we live and the way we work and what we thought should be. What a beautiful time to tap into the wellspring of hope. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being you And for being one of my favorite people, not the least of which because you live this every day. You are practice, you are preaching this because you've practiced it, and we get to learn from you. Mm. And thank you. And I'm really grateful for you being vulnerable and open and, and sharing what you've learned on this journey. And now that you're taking it to the world, I'm excited for where this goes, sister. And for you mm-hmm. and Brene to have this conversation together, because that's going to happen, right? And so it is. I can't wait. What a joy to be with you, friend. What a joy to dive into hope and doing life on your own terms. You are the queen of that. And what a joy to do life with you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, sister. And Rebel Souls, you, I, I'm, I just know, like everybody has the same like goosebumps and warm fuzzies that I do now. And I want everybody, you guys, let's think about what does this mean for our 2022? I keep saying it's the year of the revolution. Let's rebel for hope. Let's rebel for living our best lives. Let's rebel for creating the experience we want to live and creating what we want in every moment and every day, regardless of what's going on around us. And I hope this inspired you guys for what you want to create for an amazing fucking year ahead. Thank you for tuning in. Stay bold, brave, and badass, and we will see you soon. Hey, Rebel. Thanks for listening. If you were inspired by what you heard, please subscribe rate and review so our fellow rebel souls can find us. We have big work to do together. And if you want to dive deeper, head on over to my website at sylbatical.com and follow me at sylbatical on Instagram. Until next time, stay bold, 
brave, and badass, and never stop asking, what am I rebelling for?